I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one did it better. On this week's Rad Road Trip, in the red corner... Dangerous narcissist Ferris Bueller bullies his best friend on his day off. While in the blue corner, a night on the town turns hellish until Thor, yes Thor, saves the day during adventures in babysitting. It's getting pretty tough coming up with new illnesses. It's a little childish, but then so is high school. Annie, you're not going to school like this. Call if you need us. They bought it. How could I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? Bueller. Cameron Dave. Get dressed and come on over. Bueller. He has been absent nine times. Bueller. My father spent three years restoring this car. What are we going to do? What aren't we going to do? Meet Chris Park. Getting ready for the greatest night of her life. Hi. I got to cancel. Now she's stuck babysitting the Anderson kids. What could possibly go wrong? Chris, I'm in trouble. Hang up and sit down. I'll be there in half an hour. So which film makes it home in one piece? And which gets grounded for life? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And I'm Alex. So that's how it is in their family. Zane. Hmm. Good line, Alex. How are you both doing? Yeah, good. Very well, thank you. All right, mate. How are you? Good. Small talk over. Okay. Uh, <laughs> these are my choices this week. So why did I pick them? Go on. Um, well, we all grew up on Ferris Bueller. No, not me. It's iconic. Not me. And I've always had mixed emotions about the film that I'm looking forward to digging into. Okay. Uh, And I've always loved Adventures in Babysitting and don't feel like enough people have seen it, including the folks in this room. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I'm really hoping you didn't hate it. (laughs) But I'm excited to find out. Um, (laughs) What did I say? Literally, ad verbatim what I said. Okay. Thursday's going to be interesting. So let's get going. Uh, My clue was Teens on the Town. Uh, we had a few guesses of Superbad versus Booksmart. We've talked about that, haven't we? That's on yeah. my list. Yeah. I just don't think they go into town in either of those films. They, they both take place in party. house parties yeah. in the suburbs. Yes. 
Okay, that confused me. Um, I followed that up with simply saying uh, each film had a musical interlude. Yeah, yeah, confusing. I thought that was a confusing clue. Yeah, well, that's why we got a correct answer because right. of the clue. Um, <laughs> one correct answer. Which means it was a good clue. I know the rules. <laughs> uh, that came from longtime listener Lara Jackson, uh, whose prize is lunch at Chez Louis in Chicago, uh, followed by dinner at Le Pont Bleu in Chicago. Lovely. Which nicely brings us to the connection section. Okay, good. My kind of town, Chicago is my kind of town. Was, I think that was going to be my third clue, was, was, was uh, Sinatra singing that. Uh-huh. Yeah, both set in Chicago, although very different looks very at different Chicago. Places, one yeah. is lovely. One is an idyllic place full of fun and joy and mm. parades. The other is a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> Um, Which makes sense because it's produced by um, John Carpenter's producer. What, Deborah Hill? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't have that for Thursday. It all makes sense. That's great. Yeah. There's a certain scene where you go, sorry, is this the fog I'm watching? <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? Those cars that you see in films from the US where they've got uh, wooden panels down the side, they're called station wagons, mm-hmm. and they've got fake wood mm-hmm. down the side of the car. There's both the cars in these films are those cars. No, mm. wait. Sh- I mean, what? They are though. <laughs> I mean, I've written down car troubles. Both movies revolve around a car. That's a Ferrari Spider. No, it's the parents' car. No, Chrissy's car in Adventures in Babysitting, wooden panels. Yeah. Ferris's mum and dad's car, wooden panels. Oh, okay. But the okay. famous <laughs> car from Ferris is the I Ferrari. Know. All I right. know. All right. What about rich kid problems? Yes. Rich kid problems. Both movies are kids from wealthy families. Uh, righteous dude. Ferris is a righteous dude, mm. and Chris is described as a righteous babe. Good. Uh, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, kind of the same thing, but not the same thing. Mm, totally not the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but that's a fun connection, isn't it? <laughs> like, but also it's quite good because it's like the Beatles, wholesome daytime film. Ferris, Rolling mm. Stones, more rebellious, darker Ooh, nighttime yeah. film. Edgy. Yeah, and also you're amazed that they got clearance in both films. Yeah, I thought that, especially watching Twist and Shout. I was like, you yeah. never hear this in movies because of money. <laughs> mm, and Paul McCartney wasn't happy. No. Um, Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershonen, who I think played important roles in both these films. They, they were the, the casting. Director. Yeah, they cast both movies and it launched quite a few careers, um, both of these films did. Mm. Uh, both racing... happen in one day. Mm. Yes. Both happen in one day. Mm. So uh, it saves on costume changes. That's why they think uh, John Hughes set Ferris Bueller in one day because he makes his movies in the edit he shoots everything and then puts it together in the edit so it solved him a lot of problems as long <laughs> as it took place problems. yeah exactly <laughs> uh, they both end with racing to beat the parents home yeah uh, you've got to hide when you're in a car next to your dad that happens in both films <laughs> yep. um, it's quite specific that one uh, they both have jokes involving um, license plates um, I'll get to them when we are doing the movies yeah but, I want to talk about the one on Thursday yeah um, there's a lot in Ferris Bueller I hadn't realised but Jake Gyllenhaal pointed it out in a recent video he did about Ferris Bueller. Which... A video he sent to you? No, um, it was a thing he did with Josh Gad, reuniting the cast of, of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. And he pointed out all these little jokes. Why, and why was Jake Gyllenhaal doing that? He's a super fan, apparently. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, was he re- did, you, did you get the feel that he was or someone had gone, Jake's yeah. up for this, make sure he's seen the movie? <laughs> I mean, it was not, it, I think he was genuinely excited. Okay. It was exciting to see them all together, all the cast today. Um, even, the, even his parents were on it. In Ferris? The ones yeah, in yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Still knocking about. Um, they got married, didn't they? And they then did. divorced. Mm. They got divorced. Um, and both films. 
I do. I have that. Yeah. So that's why I made a noise in that section where I'm normally quite quiet. Um, <laughs> I oh, I read that. And I'll end. <laughs> Carry on, Chris. Do as much trivia as possible because I don't have any. <laughs> I've got all of that shit. I'm going to end with the fact that both films have post-credit stings, which I didn't even know. So I didn't. No shade on Adventures in Babysitting, yeah. but I think I might have turned it off quite quickly. Oh. Ferris Bueller, though, I've seen Ferris Bueller a lot of times and I had no idea because I've always just turned it off. Okay, I watched the Ferris Bueller one. What's the Adventures in Babysitting? Or are you going to save it? You have to I'm... wait till Thursday yeah, to find out, Alex. I've seen it and I'm doing that movie on Thursday. Fine. Whatever. Okay. Well, as you <laughs> <laughs> just have to wait because on Thursday, Alex is babysitting the kids. Meaning today, Vicky is bunking off school. So, V, take us on that journey. What would you do if you had a stolen day off? Would you enjoy a spectator sport, take in some culture, save your best friend's life and propose to your amazing girlfriend? No, you wouldn't because you're a cretin, not like the personification of innocence, Ferris Bueller, who does all of those things because he is either the world's oldest or the world's youngest 17-year-old. Either way, getting shit-faced drunk and stoned is not on his agenda like it would be yours at that age and don't you deny it. So Ferris takes the day to help Cameron face up to his demons and his sister face off with, then get off with, drug taker or drug dealer, either way a drug person, Charlie Sheen, before racing his parents home so he doesn't get in trouble for skiving. Is this a deeply existential film which charmingly visualises the quest for an authentic versus inauthentic life, drawing on Nietzsche's process of the three metamorphoses of the spirit and Sartre's concept of mauvais foi, or another knockabout John Hughes coming-of-age film? Anyone? <laughs> I mean, is it? <laughs> Don't look at me. I think it's a deeply existential film. Okay. I do. I mean, I think, you know, the personification of innocence is wrong. Ferris Bueller is a psychopath. Discuss. Do you think so? Oh, my God. There's a whole argument for him being a psychopath. I'll go through it with you. Like, when we come to the bits, the yeah. psychopath test, he fits about six or seven of the criteria to make someone a psychopath. Interesting. Mm. Well, this would lead, this leads neatly on in a very professional way yep. to this question because I think your feelings around Ferris are determined possibly by when you first saw mm. this film. So when did you first see this film? If you say this week, mm. that might give us a clue as to why you think he's a psychopath. Not this week, but quite late. So okay. obviously I missed the initial bubble. A lot of my friends saw it around the right time, I think. So I'm not coming at this with nostalgia. I think it was around uni time I mm. watched it and... I remember thinking of it more of a necessity to watch this. I had no great desire to see it, but obviously it's such a, a cultural milestone for a lot of people. I sort of watched it and I was like, okay, yeah, all right, that's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I have different feelings this time. Sure. What about you? Yeah, I saw it when I was a kid on video and I liked it, thought it was funny, but Ferris was just a bit scary. He was a bit too cool. He was a bit, I sort of couldn't really empathise with him or understand. And I didn't particularly like Cameron, Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I had mixed feelings about it, and then I watched it when I was a bit older, and thought, "Oh, Ferris is just horrible. This is a horrible film about a horrible person." Yes. And I imagine if older people were watching this for the first time, they would just hate him. Mm. He's someone to look up to when you're a kid, but when mm. you're an adult, you're like, "This bloke's annoying." And then watching it this time, I had very different feelings because there's a lot going on that I'd never picked up on. So okay, yeah. I, well, I watched it when I was like a late teenager. I think I was at college, university, mm. but that was the right time for me. It wasn't on Mark's shelf. This was it? Oh no, no. no. Um, but there was a good time because it was a time of like no fewer responsibilities. So that idea of skiving off and being able to skive off, I was at exactly the right age for it because I was like 19, 20 and I did a lot of skiving off 
but within the safe parameters of actually being an adult and not getting into too much trouble, which is my kind of scaring off. I never nicked off school. No, well, not once. Uh, no, I didn't. I the the closest I came was I uh, I was in this band and we nicked off to do band practice and we got caught. Nicked off. Skived. <laughs> We said you say nicking off. Okay, we said skived. Yeah, this one because we're not that far apart, like miles away. Well, that's a big. I mean, big culturally, difference. sure. <laughs> 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 but in terms of the geography of where we grew yeah, up, yeah, sure, sure, sure. It's yeah. just a different county, but yeah, we as just... the crow flies, <laughs> not that yeah. far. We said nicking. We say bunking the crow off. Ju- the crow just doesn't fly that direction. <laughs> Don't go Yorkshire. No, we die that you shoot it out the sky. <laughs> the minute you go over there, this cheerful Lancashire crow <laughs> making its way it's over. Just free spirit. <laughs> Burn, were they yeah. throwing whippets at it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then eating it because you're tight <laughs> and you won't pay for food. I was led to believe that when I was growing up. I was told to be to fear the Yorkshireman. <laughs> and it turns out my father was correct. About that. Wow. Uh, so I've lost my place now. <laughs> anyway, right, we've done that bit. We've done that bit. That's good. Really have lost your place, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. You were talking about skiving of school. I bet you never have, Chris. Are we going to do this again? We've had this whole conversation for about ten minutes on an episode. Okay, apologies. Let me just—I'll just—I'll uh, just jump straight into the background section then. Since we've just got told off, that's fine. All right, here we go because I know this is the best bit. So, so watch out. Now let's do it again. So I bunked off school. Uh, I went to Brighton to see a badly drawn boy gig, and lo and behold, he was in a bar when I was looking for the gig, and oh, I yeah. asked him for directions, and he invited me to have a drink with him. Oh yeah. well, that's amazing. I bunked off. School one no. skive to watch The Crow on VHS oh, yeah. with all my mates, and we all did it on the same day, so we all got caught. Brilliant. We need to get new banter. Yeah, we do. I mean, we need some new stories, but I don't know how to generate new stories. We can't at this remember age. them. Live a life. <laughs> We've got it's stories. not the same. All right, then. How, what's, your, what's your technique for throwing a sickie from work? Or do you not want to say? Uh, it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. I don't actually ever really throw sickies. Do you want to tell, I'll t- I've told you my one before, which is if you wait. Why if you are you doing it again? No, no, then? wait, wait, because you don't know this one. I don't think. I once had a job doing data entry for Universal Music and I was terrible at it. And I missed my first day because I stayed I stayed up late with you, actually. I've just remembered. <laughs> I stayed up very late. Woo. So on the way, I tried to go and I got to Stratford Station and I was like, this is not happening. So I went back and I rang in sick and I couldn't think of anything. And I told them I'd fallen down the escalator. And so for the whole temp job, I had to wear a massive bandage on my knee because <laughs> I told them that I tore my knee open and it was really hot and summery so I was wearing skirts and I had this sticky, sweaty bandage with no wound underneath it. That's my best one. Very silly. All right, here we go. So uh, this film mm-hmm. was written and directed by the legendary John Hughes because I do love a John Hughes film. I don't know how you feel about him but I very much love John Hughes films. And apparently, so the legend goes, he pitches the idea to Paramount with a single line. I want to do a movie about a kid who takes a day off from school and that's all I know. And they go, yeah, go on then, but also be quick because there's a writer's strike. And he said, no problem. I will be really quick and I'll do this in about four days. That's the story. Yeah, but apparently this was his thing. I find it amazing. I mean, having tried to write something quickly, like Planes, Trains and Automobiles, 16 Candles, Pretty and Bing, he wrote them all in a week as the story goes. We talked about High Line recently. Mm. Mm. That was a week as well. Yeah. That was his thing. And he is very good, so he can do it. He sort of enters the like his friends say he entered a trance like state where he like he just like could focus so like clinically on, on the writing process that he, he wasn't distracted. But the difference I'm is, like, ooh, look, a crow. <laughs> but the difference is he's directing these scripts as well. So he's got he's got the story, the characters and all the photography in his head 
um, what isn't on the page. And also, it means he allows for a lot of improvisation mm. on yeah. set because he likes to have the actors play around. He casts people who are similar to the characters. And so it, I think he has an advantage there in that he's in control of everything. So even yeah. if the script isn't where it needs to be, he knows he can get it there once he starts shooting. And it goes back to what I said as well. He doesn't edit in the script. He edits the film. So he shoots everything. Like mm. the first cut of Ferris was like two hours, 45 minutes long. And then from there, he works backwards and cuts it down. Well, that makes sense. Um, so although he has later said that Matthew Broderick as Ferris it was the only actor he could think of, I read that Johnny Depp was offered it. Mm. And also Jim Johnny Carrey, Depp says he was offered it. That's what I read. That's what I read. Johnny yeah. Depp saying... On Inside the Actor's Studio. Yeah, they he, offered it to me. I, they definitely offered it to me. I don't think that would have been the right choice. No. Uh, but only because of the way he grew up. Like in the, in 1980-odd, I suppose that would have been fine. But... Well, that, those casting agents I mentioned, Jane Jenkins and, and Janet Hershonon, they said the only other person they were considering... And I think this would have worked. Uh, was John Cusack? Yes, that would have worked. Who's yeah. a very similar to Ferris Bueller in a lot of those eighties movies. Definitely. And um, what was uh, Anthony Michael? Mm. Anthony Michael Hall for Cameron. I read, but oh. turned it down. Okay, I... but then I don't know because Emilio Estevez for Cameron. Yeah, mm. there's that famous story that Alan Ruck credits Emilio Estevez with giving him his career. He says every time I see Emilio Estevez, I want to go over and kiss him because <laughs> him turning down this role meant that I had a career. Yeah. Um, and Jennifer Grey, she'd done Red Dawn with Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen's hardly in it, but he, he's a bit of a scene stealer, so it's worth mentioning. Uh, it, there was this whole backstory to his character. He hasn't even got a name, as he? he's just called, like, Boy in Police He was Station. called Gareth, no, Garth Vogel or something. Yeah, but um, in the actual credits, he's not called that. No, no, he's just called Boy in Police Station. Yeah. Uh, and so all that Garth Vogel stuff just got scrapped. It's a weird, the, you know, the backstory to that. The backstory was that he, in the original version, he was a friend of Ferris's who Ferris had failed to save from getting hooked on drugs and dropping out of school. And so that plays into why Ferris is determined to show Cameron the best day ever because he failed a friend in the past. Wow. Mm. That's quite dark. I'm glad it? it was all cut. Yeah, it's brilliant as it is it's because it's so odd. Mm. It's just good that he just comes out of nowhere and then disappears. Do you know he stayed up for 48 hours? I, I mean, believe that. I, I believe it, but I, I mean, don't believe that's any extra effort. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to do something special for the next few days, which is not sleep. I've, I've been up for 48 hours. Really? Yeah, for, for the role. For the role. <laughs> yeah. For the role. It's a, yeah. it's a method. It's Fucking just, method. I haven't just rolled in from a strip club. It's one of those internet stories to be more interesting. Like, he slept for a full week before he took on a role. You'd be like, oh, wow, okay. But him staying up for two days. Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> uh, he's so, so gorgeous in it, though. He's just mm. unbelievable looking. I think this is when I fell in love with John. Yeah. He's unbelievable looking and he looks good knackered as well, which oh, is mm. really something. I mean, I mean, that's youth for you. Can't do that nowadays. No. Uh, so who else have we got? Mia Sarah, who I was thinking of because we did, what's it called? Legend. Because um, uh, she was only a youngster. So she's like the only teenager in the cast because she was 18. <laughs> and it is interesting. Just So John Hughes nearly, apparently, he didn't want her because he said he wanted someone older to give Sloane Peterson a bit the, the dignity that she needs. And he, I, I see what he means. Like, she does a brilliant job. Mia Sarah, I, so? yeah, I think she's really good. I think she's... I mean, granted, she's not given much to do. I think of the main three, she's the weak link. But she's just, she does have a very dignified, quiet presence. Mm, he said he wanted to debate her to be elegant and restrained, mm. a sort of as if she was like an older woman. That's who he thinks Ferris would go out with, someone who would tolerate him and could also control him if she needed to. Okay. And I get that sense from her. She does seem to be quite powerful. Yeah, yeah but you can't control a psychopath. Like he's, like, he's just too charming. He's going to charm you into doing whatever he wants to yeah, do. Yeah, but he's very kind. 
Is, is he? He ditches yeah. them to sing on a float and doesn't even. They're like, "Where is he?" And That's he's just—he's yeah. just pissed off. And he's yeah. like, "Look at all these people adoring me. I don't care about your day anymore, Cameron. Even yeah. though that's how and I got you to give me the Ferrari in the first place. Your special day, Cameron. See ya on a float now. So, Twist and shout. Entertaining his friends is a is a lovely thing. <laughs> it's a lovely thing. I to never do. thought of it like that. I hope you're not going to ruin the uh, Twist and Shout scene for me because it is selfish. Right? I never thought of that. Yeah, of course. Just it thought, is. what fun. Of course it is. It's all about their day together and especially showing Cameron a good time. And he's off doing whatever he does, an attention-seeking yeah. exercise from strangers, just adoration. It isn't about showing Cameron a good time, I don't think. Of course it's not. That's what I'm saying. He just manipulates Cameron like a psychopath, tells him what he needs to hear to get the car in the first place. Oh, I see. Oh, this is interesting. To, to help Cameron. No. Yes, it's, this is all... Uh, we'll get there. The Fight Club theory. Well, let's do the it's Fight Club theory. It's not a Fight Club theory. theory. No. I, that's bollocks. But what he's doing is he's trying to push Cameron to stand up to his dad and he and he, and he, he nails it. No, yeah, no, he no, no, him. no, no, no. You see, the bit the bit where Cameron's like, this has gone too far and, like, you know, I'm going to get in trouble and Ferris basically says, I'll take the heat mm. for you. Let me take responsibility for this. That is the behaviour of a psychopath, a manipulator who has finally reached the point where they might lose their mark. It's the first and time... And so has no. to absolve like, the responsibility in a way of keeping that person under their control. No, it's the first time he's lost control of the situation. And that's why he says that, because he has been in control this whole time, but Cameron finally does something that he's not expecting. And so he... He doesn't know. He panics. Yeah, he panics. He mm. panics as a psychopath and then does. No, not, not a psychopath. psychopath. He's a psychopath. <laughs> uh, the Fight Club theory. So as much as I love Ferris and I've seen it uh, three or four times, I didn't know this theory until you mentioned it, Chris, the other yeah. week. Yeah. And I love it. I love yeah, it so very, very, it's very fun. much. It so, really works as well. Yeah. So Ferris is a figment of Cameron's imagination, mm. which is, and so um, in in the same way in Fight Club that um, Tyler Durden is, and it's you know this the split of your a side of yourself that you can't fully embrace or uh, accept mm. gets to sort of run riot for a day, kind of thing, and there are sort of this so the safe Ferris markers around town, like on the water tower and wherever else they are, are clear indications that there's a, a sort of it's all in Cameron's head or Ferris's head. Which yeah, he never is. leaves his bed. It's yes. all in Cameron's head. It's all like the story is told from him lying in his bed trying to figure out his life. Yeah. And that he does destroy the car in in real life, but mm. in a fugue state. So yep. he gets out of bed and he's like, this is what I have to do to confront my dad. But it also fits with the fact that, like, I think there's actually a cut in the film where Cameron starts opening up about his family and, like, how his dad doesn't love his mum, but he loves the car mm -hmm. and they're in an awful relationship, an awful marriage. And then it cuts to Ferris's parents who are just, they're too nice. They're such yeah. a fantastical creation of yeah. what parents are like that you're like, they are what someone who is building this artificial version, what their parents would be like. Just just too nice. They too are. perfect. Yeah. So in love and so adoring of Ferris. That's a good point. So let's talk about the film because that is a good mm. point. But, but so I, I would like to say on that front, I mean, it's obviously bollocks, but I think there is a grain of truth to it in that Tyler Durden is there to set the narrator free effectively. Yeah. And... That's what Ferris is doing. Ferris is trying to set Cameron free. And yeah. so they've essentially got the same mission. So there is a similarity there, but obviously it's not factually correct because yeah. Ferris is actually real. Yeah, this is what I think. And a psychopath, yes. Correct. Well, the point, so the point is, let's talk about the film. Let's talk about the film because mm. we are doing now anyway, but I have to say it because then we get to move into the next segment officially and that means I'm good at my job. Yeah, it works. Which is important to me. Oh. So Ferris pulls a sickie <laughs> because it's a nice day mm -hmm. and because life moves pretty fast and if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. 
which is just lovely. Mm. Um, That's a fun scene in the bedroom when the parents and Jeannie are in there because on set, all four of those people are in love because yeah. of Broderick and Jennifer Grey had just got together and yeah. they had just got together. So that's... That's sweet. Mm. But I see it's your slightly point. weird because she's a sister. I mean, it's fine for they're them. Act, they're <laughs> acting though. They don't... But when you know that, they don't seem like brother and sister at all at any point anyway. Mm. So it's sort of fine and a bit gross. Yeah. So Ferris has taken a day off, hasn't he? Uh, because Ferris, like a psychopath, feels entitled to everything. And he's entitled to his day off because he's just decided he's entitled to a day off. Yeah. And he charms, like a psychopath, his parents into giving him a day off. It's weird because I do agree with you, his parents don't seem real because he is at once a grown-up person. He's grown-up enough to be left in the house by himself, mm-hmm. which you don't really do with kids. You're not supposed to. Um, and But he's when very babied. 17, you can, can't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> but, but they baby him a lot. They really baby him. Well, like, no, that's because he manipulates them by acting like a baby. Okay. And I think I think it's a lot of his behaviour makes them talk back to him like that because he sort of knows how to manipulate everyone in his world. Love you. <laughs> yeah, but then they don't, they don't think he's enough of a baby that he, he can't, you know, they, they assume he could look after himself mm. and not hurt himself all day. So there's a weird... What were you doing when you were 17 around the house? <laughs> Banging into stuff. Did you have... Just... Did, they, did they have rubber corners on every work surface <laughs> no. until you were 17? The one I, I got left alone in the house and uh, my mum and sister went away and I, I took a car and I crashed the car. Okay, so I can see yeah, what's happening here. Yeah, it was really bad. I was just running this... Can I say that? Yeah, I can say that because a lot of parties involved are dead and also my sister doesn't give a shit. But yeah, I crashed the car. <laughs> Oh, it was awful, awful. What a stupid thing to do. So you took it, you, you, you weren't feigning illness when you crashed it? No, I just You were took just it. left on your own? I was left on my, my mum and sister went away for a week and I was left in the house and I'm being all responsible. I took the car, I didn't have a licence, just took it and smashed it up. I'm seeing a whole new side <laughs> to you. How'd you crash it? Oh, God, I crashed it into a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I really managed They do go fat. Oh, wait, what, a bus? Were, well, you just, just, were you just watching the film Speed and fell asleep? I crashed it into a bus, but it was just at a fucking T-junction. I just took it wide because I couldn't drive. <laughs> I didn't have a licence. I just took it wide and I just sort of... Sm- Dragged the car along the side. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of dinked a bus, basically. But it was a very old car and it was knackered anyway. And so the front just went and just like crumpled. And the bus was fine and no one was hurt. But the police were very interested because uh, I didn't have a license. What happens if you don't have a license and you crash a car? I got arrested. Okay. And I got charged, not charged, cautioned. Okay. And I managed to get it all done before my mum got back, which was good. Well, you got the car fixed. No, I didn't get it fixed. I got cautioned before she got back. Right. So she didn't know about that bit. She knew the car was fucked. She knew the car was fucked, though. Yeah, it was fine. It wasn't a write-off or anything. It was just a bit expensive. Oh, God, that feels good, actually, to get rid of that. No, it, seems, it seems like a little bit of therapy. There. Yeah, thank you so much, everyone. It's not time for a break, is it, or anything? Let me just have a look. No, no, no. We can still talk about the film. Okay, cool. Psychopath. So, grandiose sense of self-worth. But he does justify it but in a way that made me laugh, which is like he's licked his hands to get the clammy hands thing, which he says is childish and stupid, but so is high school. And it's like, yes, Ferris, I totally agree with you. School is childish and stupid. Why not miss it? No? <laughs> oh, mean... no, I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm just probably didn't do the ET thing of putting the thermometer against the light. <laughs> then you. Yeah, I thought he had like a cold hot water bottle under his pillow or something. I didn't know. Licking your hands... I'm not sure it works. No, it's, well, it's a bit disgusting. But, it's gross. But the thing is, so I like Matthew Broderick a lot in this film because the first time I watched this film, I was surprised to be, especially because it's a John Hughes film, you're with the popular kid. So as Grace, the principal's assistant, later says, 
He's this righteous dude, and all the gangs like him. The sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, mm. bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. Mm. And I'm not used to being through a, someone's journey. It, later, obviously, Cameron comes into it, and it is mostly Cameron's film in terms of the narrative. Mm. But you're with the popular guy, and normally me, not the most popular person in school, would be like, oh, I don't want to spend time with you. I'm not, I'm not into that at all. But, and, and normally, in the part in the previous five years, that's all John Hughes had made was people about films about the not popular kids. Yeah. And so it's such an amazing trick that so he you, manages to get me to like him. And do, do you like him? Yeah. I, it's a weird one. Like, almost from scene to scene, like, ignoring the fact he's a psychopath, if we take that as like, okay, I'm wrong, I'm not. But if, he, if, if, if you just take him on his charm, he's a little too cocky. No. He's a little too, like, confident. Like, there's something. I think the bit that... There's one scene where I'm like, it's too much. And it's where he goes, he's talking about the Ferrari and he's like, if you guys can pick one up, they are so choice. Yeah, and it's like, that's annoying. It's like fetch and mean girls. It's like, <laughs> don't, choice is never going to be a thing. Don't make choice a thing. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I don't like him when the, I thought his whole motivation was the fact that he asked for a car and he got a computer. Yeah. That's not that's a spot brat talking, and, yeah. he, and he brings it up several times that Jeannie got a car and he didn't. But then when I see it through this lens, this time of the fact, no, this is all part of a larger plan to change Cameron's psyche for the better. Then actually, I do like him. He's it's a, it's an amazing thing he's doing here. Yeah. You really buy that? I, re- I fundamentally yeah, because they, do not buy that well, yeah, whatsoever. They, uh, this isn't this is they not say, about if, him trying to make Cameron. even Sloane says it in the film. Oh, I see what you've done. She says it at the end just before he um. Because he's a psychopath and he's made her believe this lie. It's not the case. He's not doing it for Cameron. He's doing it for him because he's selfish. What does he get out of it? He gets the day he wants in a nice car in the city that he couldn't do without that car. So he manipulates Cameron into giving him no, the car. No, they, they can get to the city without a car, can't they? Is there no pub- Mind mm. you, I don't know. That, is there no public transport? It's, it's okay for Alex to be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, all right, let's have a quick break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, let's meet Cameron. Uh, there is the very, fa- I mean, it's really famous, the, doing the register and the, the, mm. uh, the teacher just doing the, do you want to do it? Bill Stein. Yeah. Ben Anyone? Stein. Ben Stein. Yeah, Ben sorry. Stein. Yeah. Of win Ben Stein's money. Yes, and former speechwriter for Richard Nixon. Right, yes. His resignation speech. Mm. He's incredible. a fascinating. He's a fascinating character. That yeah. is incredible. So obviously he's running through the ridge and he's going Bueller, Bueller. And so now if you're being ignored, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But I do think, and also the lecture he does when he does the economics lecture, the, the kids, the way that John Hughes has shot those kids looking bored, it's just, I love it. Mm. So they just look fantastic. Not in the script. He was doing that lecture offset uh, and like, John Hughes heard him doing it and was like, you've got to do that in the film. Mm. And he does it. And it's great. I mean, it, it's so weird. Like, he sort of basically, he says the story is Richard Nixon introduced him to a man named Bill Sapphire, who was a columnist for New York Times, who introduced him to a guy who worked for Warner Brothers, who introduced him to John Hughes. And because him and John Hughes are about the only Republicans in Hollywood, John <laughs> Hughes put him in the movie. Yeah, I don't know if John Hughes was a Republican. <laughs> this is Ben Stein's. Yeah, no, I know. He says a lot of stuff, though. Mm. Right, so let's see. Very um, slowly. And boringly. All right, let's meet Cameron because Cameron's really important. So apart from the fact that I've always loved his treehouse so very much and his room (laughs) in the canopy of the forest, I just think it's amazing. Mm. So uh, Cameron's a mess. He says he's shredded. Uh, But because Ferris is his best friend, he just says, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do. He's quite a frightening character, Cameron, because he's so passive aggressive. He's He's also got got a God complex, which I just realised for the first time. So he's singing a hymn and he replaces the word Jesus with Cameron. Does he? Yeah. Oh my god, that yeah. is. Isn't oh my god. Yeah. Um, but he get he's got he's just he's filled with so much anger and obviously Ferris says partly he's doing this because make him less tightly wound. Yeah. But he's quite frightening. The thought of him exploding, I guess he does at the end. Um yeah, I don't know if I I don't know how Ferris and him are mates actually. I, I, I because his dad has a Ferrari. <laughs> I assumed they'd been friends since they were little kids, mm. really little. And when they grew up, they were different. But Interesting. You, you still always yeah, yeah. stay friends. And yeah. offer, he offers no threat to Ferris either. He's not in competition with Ferris. He's much weaker. Lacks I don't the think Ferris sees anyone as, as a threat, though, because he knows he can outwit everyone because he does. Mm. Because he's a psychopath. No, I, th- I think he's a narcissist. I think he's a narcissist. Yeah. Okay. So this is the thing. They're going to take the day together. Um so, but they've got to get they've got to bust Sloan Peterson out of school. Um, so it's funny. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What's funny is Rooney saying, "You produce a corpse. I want to see his dead grandmother firsthand. Roll her old bones over." It. It's really, really funny because it's it's not. I think the reaction stuff, the physical comedy is all good, and when they realise that Ferris is on the other line and it can't be mm. him on the call, and there's a lot of like pratfalls and but that's not that funny. But those lines are funny. Oh, yeah, and I, 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 I a bit where uh, 
uh, what's her name? Grace, uh, his assistant. The bit where she takes the phone and it's it's Cameron on one end of the phone pretending to be Mr. Peterson while she's on the other <laughs> end of the phone pretending to be Rooney yeah. is just such a brilliant escalation. It's interesting of that watching that yeah. scene because she's from the Chicago um, improv scene. Yeah. And it was Jeffrey Jones was struggling with this sequence and she said, let's do it how we would do improvisation where everything you do in this scene, I'm going to try and impede you hmm. physically and, and okay. vocally. And when you watch the scene, that's exactly what she's doing. She looks like she's helping him, but she's getting in his way and he's getting more and more frustrated. She's, I mean, I think she's brilliant as oh, well. She's fantastic. With the pens in the hair that the, she came up with. The introduction where she's sniffing Tipex. Sniffing Tipex. Because <laughs> that's, that's just such a time pause as well. Because you remember, like, we weren't allowed Tipex at school and it wasn't because it gets on stuff. It's like they didn't want kids sniffing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was at like every school. Like, Kids were get, well, no one chuffed Tipex as far as I can tell yeah. at school, but it was verboten. And, you were not allowed it. And obviously, um, John Hughes saw something in her because she's the car rental woman in Planes, Trains and Automobiles that winds oh. up Steve Martin oh, when he, yeah. he explodes. Edie yeah. McClurg, that's her yeah. name. Yeah, she got the gig. You know the line you keep mentioning, he's a righteous dude. Yeah. She made that up at the audition and that's mm. what got her the part in the first <laughs> place. And we have to talk about Jeffrey Jones because he is brilliant here. Yeah. And he says, Hughes told me at the time and I thought he was just blowing his own horn. He said, you were going to be known for this for the rest of your life. And I thought, sure, but he was right. <laughs> Known for something else now as well. Known yeah, that else. didn't quite work out in a very different way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he is very good in this. He's so good. So they uh, they borrow Cameron's dad's car and that, so our day can begin. Um, but this is where we establish that this is going to be Cameron's film because he's the one with conflict. Ferris has no conflict. Ferris has got something he needs to do today, which is not get caught. But in terms of internal conflict, I don't think there is any. It's interesting, isn't it? It's really Cameron's story because Cameron is the one who goes through the, whether he steps into the mission of the film, whether he accepts his mission of going on this journey to the city or not. So it's really, he is our protagonist. Well, well, comedy is the only genre where you can have a protagonist who doesn't change over the course of a film. And Ferris does not change, but obviously Cameron goes on a huge journey. So it's, as you say, it becomes his film. Yeah. So they pick up Sloan and then they go to the Sears Tower. And this is where you, you know, this film is either going to sort of set your teeth on edge or you're just going to be into it because it's all going to be very good, clean, innocent fun. Which I did mean, I'm not just, you know, if when I was 17, if I had taken a day off school, which I didn't, I wouldn't have gone to an art gallery and tried to bust into a restaurant. It would have, You would have gone straight to the off-licence. And you wouldn't have been able to as well. You wouldn't have been able to do as much as they fit in no. to a day here. No. It doesn't work. The timeline simply doesn't work. They get to do too much, which again feeds this Fight Club theory yeah. that it's all in Cameron's head. He has the perfect day that is literally impossible to have. Yeah. And even so, at this point, he proposes to Sloan and it's, it's just weird. I find it nice rather than creepy, but it should be creepy, but it's just quite a nice thing to do weirdly I I think taps into what Chris is saying it's it's the way she plays it the way she reacts to his proposal is what makes it not weird Yeah, Mm. and it's it's sweet at the end when she says she knows she's going to marry him it's just sweet they want to marry him they just know these two people yeah Yeah. I do love the bit where he pretends to be the sausage king to get into that restaurant (laughs) Abe Froman (laughs) (laughs) it's funny but I think this says more about me than it does about the film and about my fear of a hefty bill do they ever deal with who's going to pay for the bill I was going to say the only victim in this movie is Abe Froman yeah because he, he loses his table yeah. and he, maybe he does end up paying for it I don't know I don't know um, that doesn't I mean the logic here breaks down as well because if he's using a booking at that time and he looks mm, at the thing sure. it's like well Abe Froman is going to arrive any sure. moment agreed. for that booking oh I never thought agreed. of that yeah, agreed agreed there are some holes there are some <laughs> holes 
Fight theory. And the he, best. And he said the only reason that scene is there is he wanted to put them in the same place as Ferris's dad. Okay. And so it seemed a business meeting would be the logical place. Do yeah. you recognise the French restaurant from another classic 80s movie that I fucking love? I'll just tell you. It's the restaurant where the Blues Brothers visit oh, uh, to go get their trumpeter, Mr Fabulous, and throw <laughs> uh, shrimp in each other's mouths from the Blues Brothers. How nice. Mm. Uh, the uh, Sears Tower, or the Willis Tower, as it is now known, uh, when they visit that, it was the tallest building in the world. They say that in the film. Mm. Okay. But it was only that for 25 years, um, uh, which has been now surpassed by, it's the 25th tallest building in the world now. So they threw up one every year that was tall. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. cool. Do well, you... Every city wants one. Burj right. Khalifa was the... That is still the tallest. Mm. Still I've been the up tallest. it. Have you really? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I didn't really want to go to... I ended up in Dubai. I didn't really want to be there. It was just a long, long boring story. Work or fun? Fun. You went to Dubai. Oh, yeah, I'm exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't part of the plan. The woman who runs with the news agent on my high street, um, singing the praises of Dubai. I was like, but so don't you not get into trouble for like drinking? Like, and she's like, well, you just drink in certain places. I'm yeah. like, that doesn't work for me. No, <laughs> oh, I'd be too scared. You, you drink in certain places. Yeah, yeah drink everywhere. Yeah. The street. <laughs> what are you talking about? The street. <laughs> in the middle of the road. <laughs> That's what you're not allowed to do. That's the one thing. There's more than one thing you're not allowed There's to do. There's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. So, meanwhile, uh, Mom has gone to check on Ferris. Uh, he has eluded her with quite an elaborate rope and pulley system. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that being better. Uh, I went I was off it kid. this time. Yeah. It's because the arm's sticking out and it's like, wow, his mum's a moron. She's an idiot, yeah. But it's very home alone, isn't it? There's a few bits in this. Yeah, good point. Like when uh, Rooney's trying to break into the house as mm. well. It's like a literal forerunner for what John Hughes oh did my God, in Home yeah. Alone. My notes, John Hughes loves a dog flap. A like... dog flap. The bit <laughs> yeah. where he gets, he's trying to peer in the window. like He's like Joe Pesci trying to peer in the window. He yes. gets his foot stuck in the mud and the shoe comes off and he's trying to pull the shoe out of the mud. And you know another yeah, film he true. did that's like that? Home Alone 2. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I don't like this bit because I think it's better in Home Alone. Um, yeah, this but, is before Home Alone. Yeah, I know, but because I've seen, it's you know. It's a work in progress. Sure, he's getting yeah. there. But I do think the dog is impressive because that is the scariest dog I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I think training a dog to pull that face is pretty good. It's terrifying. Yeah, I know, but it feeds into the myth that Rottweilers are really dangerous. Because it looks really yeah, it look murderous. Really There's a really efficient line around this point in the film, which I was like, oh, that's good. And it's when Jeannie goes in to complain to Rooney mm-hmm. about Ferris and tell her uh, tell him that she's um, he's bunked off school. Uh, we've done every different variation of how to skive bunk Nick off school today. Yeah. Um she says, "Well, hello Jeannie, who's bothering you now?" Amazingly efficient because that yeah. is like, "Wow." <laughs> yeah, that's good. You learn so much about Jeannie being <laughs> this person who just is like, "This person's bothering me. Sort this out. I have this problem with this." In one single line. That's true. That's very good. Um, so back with the trio of Ferris, Sloan and Cameron, they got to the Art Institute, which I do think looks very relaxing. And now being a grown-up, if I could get just one day to myself, I would like to go to an art gallery and stand and stare at things. Yeah, and you know, you said that we wouldn't go do this on our day off. We'd go mm. to the pub. But he was saying John Hughes, geeky John Hughes, went to this Art Institute as a kid. This was his yeah. place of refuge and he would spend the day there. So he's sort of paying homage to his own childhood mm. there. Um I think this is a really lovely scene, actually. Yeah, me too. Didn't work initially, though. It was uh, They put it um, after the big parade scene, after Twist and Shout, and they set it to some different music. I think a classical score. Mm. And audiences, test audience was like, we hate that scene. Okay. And they just put it to different music and moved it about, and voila, everyone loves it now. That's good. So does it in the... Really do you like that music they use? I fell in love with that music. 
I can't remember. In it. the art gallery. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. It's beautiful. It's the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> joking aside, you go. joking aside, oh, yeah. I genuinely think this was my way into the Smiths, liking this piece of music and trying to find out what it was, and it was an instrumental version of one of their songs. It just washed over There's me. There's a whole Smiths debate going on on Twitter <laughs> right now. Oh, is there? Uh, about us. Oh us. no, yeah, it's fine. I'm not it's nervous. Fine. No, we don't come out badly. Some, really? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Tells you a l- why. It's why Chris and Twitter and this podcast. It's like some sort of holy trinity. It's like a, a lot of our dear Clash Podders yeah. are very much Chris. Oh, okay. Okay. There's a uh, lot of people going on there. Hello, my uh, people. Hello. <laughs> your, your master uh, is speaking. Oh God, why, are you, why are you dissing the Smiths? It's like, um... Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, when when Cameron is looking into that painting a Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jeté, it's just haunting. He's looking at that child's face and he's oh, sort yeah. of... Haunting's a bit strong, but uh, it's affecting. It's affecting. Well, th- 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 but the more the closer he looks at that face, the less of a face it is. It's I like know, it's Chris, got... I get I get pontalism. I know how it works. I'm just it's just I think it's a comedy. So I get that he's like, oh, I'm no one, and I get that. But I, I don't. I okay, don't... if you get it, well, let's not discuss it. Oh no, <laughs> right. I just Fine. don't feel haunted by it. That's all. Um, but it's I do. Smith should play. God, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. I was like, what's this fucking music? <laughs> Uh, but let's get to the bit that's obviously the best bit, which you hate, Alex. I don't hate Which that. is the Von Steuben Day parade. Mm. So I didn't know who Von Steuben was. I had absolutely mm. no idea. It's quite so, strange. Yeah. <laughs> I went to all the trouble of looking it up. So uh, for anyone that doesn't know, I also didn't know that it's like an... All, so it's it's a national holiday in the States. So Or that it's celebrated in many cities. I don't know what that means. So does that mean it's like countrywide or just... Citywide? Sm- no, it said many cities. Okay. So it's not just Chicago. All right. They have one in New York. What is it? Do you want to tell me what it is Oh, first? I'm so sorry. So, uh, here we go. Baron Friedrich von Steuben mm. was a Prussian-born person who arrived in the States as a volunteer and he uh, offered his services to George Washington in the American Revolutionary War. And he is regarded, I'm quoting, <laughs> literally quoting from Wikipedia. I can tell you quoting, yeah. but go on. Uh, he is, let me, oh, fuck it, I can't be asked. I'll just do it. He's one of the most important German-Americans as his training of the young American troops made victory against the British possible and thus his work helped in gaining independence for the United States of America. Wow. So that's why they love him. Sounds like a wanker to yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> hates this guy. Give us a, give us a country back yeah you've still got our language though don't you yeah <laughs> so kind of. they love him um, <laughs> you bastardized our language haven't you <laughs> oh oh steady big swig I'm, I'm joking i love love america <laughs> <laughs> what good they yeah. need that so that's good big fan well big- done <laughs> Great country, great yeah. place. Yeah. Great country, best country. <laughs> Fantastic country. Very, very, very great country. Very highly regarded country. Yeah. Huge, big, big country. Huge. Anyway. So anyway, <laughs> Ferris does get up on the floor. And I, until you'd said, Alex, I'd never realised that if you were mates with him and you were having this day off, especially if you're Cameron and you're not quite into it, and your wingman... The person you, the reason you're out in the first place, nicks I, off onto a float. I cannot believe you're saying this, Vicky. If the three of us were out in town and we couldn't find Alex and he's on a float singing, yeah. you, would you be annoyed? No, I wouldn't. Be annoyed. <laughs> Thank you. This is what I'm saying. Like, but this is like when I, when we were out together, and I'm like, hey, those people look interesting over there, and I go over and talk to them. And yeah, you're like, that's rude. Like that's what the reaction. Yeah, that's different. Be. That's different. 
That's different. They, but the rea- their was, reaction no, is, oh, Ferris. Let's just do this. If they were strangers, yeah, great. Let's go out and talk to strangers. There are other people that you would rather be hanging out with. You fucking know them. Yes. So you ditch us to go and talk to some other oh, friends. On the balcony. <laughs> yeah. At the Groucho. So that's why it's Again. an issue. He's been gone two hours, Vicky. Yeah, fuck it. Shall we go home? Yes. <laughs> he ain't coming back, is he? No. I'm glad you brought that up. Maybe it's this not is, the same thing. Maybe this is my problem with this guy. I see too much of myself in yeah, no I think shit. you do. I think you do. Yeah. He's a psychopath. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was a revelation to me when I, years later, realised that the the woman with the beautiful voice singing Dunkershen is Wayne Newton. Who's that? A man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bloke with a very high-pitched voice, but really? it sounds like a woman, doesn't it? Really it it sounds like... Um, and he's the guy that the mum falls fancies in Vegas Vacation, another John Hughes film. Oh. Wayne Newton playing at um, Las Vegas was his place. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, so Dunkershen's good and it's kind of funny, but then when it goes into the Beatles... It's interesting because I find yeah. Twist and Shout as a song quite boring. Um, oh, it's too slow. No. It is too slow. What? It's the, the quality of the vocals <laughs> that makes mad. it. mad. No, the I think Smiths it's... one week, now the fucking Beatles. <laughs> Jesus no. Christ. <laughs> slow twist and shout. It is slow. It's so fast. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, baby. Let's listen to the Come on, baby. Twist and shout. It's come on, come on, twist and shout. It's that over the top. It's fast two, and slow. Three, four, two. It's too slow. The quality How busy of the... are you? <laughs> I'm just saying... The That's vocal is what makes it. Did you, well, did you, <laughs> did you see what, <laughs> Vicky, if you, you join, let's double drop. <laughs> <laughs> did you see what Paul McCartney said about it, though? He said, no. he if was it annoyed. needed brass, I'll do it in a northern yeah. accent because this is what it sounds like. If it needed brass, we'd have stuck it on ourselves. Uh, which is fair, I guess. <laughs> but great. as John Hughes points out, that's in the film. They didn't add brass band. to his song. <laughs> There's brass band playing yeah. in the movie. I feel so sorry for John Hughes because he loves Paul. the Beatles. <laughs> hey, Paul here. John, um, can you lose the brass? <laughs> he loves, like, John Hughes loves the Beatles so much. And Paul McCoy's like, yeah, you can have the song. What have you done to my song? And he's like, but there's just a marching band in it, Paul. And it's, it's it would another, be weird if another, you couldn't hear him. Another John I don't get on with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bit of background to this scene. So Jennifer Grey was a bit frustrated that she doesn't share any scenes with the stars of this film. She oh, was yeah. sort of isolated for most of the movie. So that day she disguised herself and went on set and tried to get photographs with the actors. And there's some fun photographs of her in a disguise with people that she got taken. That's brilliant. But that day she met the bloke who choreographed yeah. the musical scene, Kenny Ortega. Dirty Dancing a year oh. later. Isn't that amazing? Oh, but he didn't cast her in Dirty Dancing. No, but he might have said, I oh. met a great dancer mm. on the Von Steuben Day Parade. <laughs> in disguise. In disguise. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's at least see her. Kenny, how long is this story? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you who might be a psychopath, though, is uh, Ferris's parents. In fact, the whole family, because we see the dad twisting in his office and in the background there's the family photos with a little brother and sister. Oh, Later yeah. on in the film, on the kitchen fridge, there's drawings by little children. There were two little children in that family that got cut out of the movie. Oh, no. So maybe they killed them. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, Cameron couldn't imagine them properly. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that at all. That's a very dark turn. So anyway, the maybe, car... Yeah, maybe the dog killed them. Well, that does seem plausible. And I shouldn't be that person that's like, oh, is it a Rottweiler? Yeah, it's scary. A Rottweiler, but I yeah. was scared shitless of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, okay, so the so Cameron's thing is the car, but the car is fine. So now he's going to loosen up because he's going to, you know, he's, he's like, do you know what? This day might be all right, but oh no. 
there's a few more miles on the clock. This didn't. This never works for me because you have to remember what Ferry said and you have to look at the speedometer and you have mm. to understand there's been a big difference and it's too quick. I don't know. I just didn't. Sure. I don't understand what's happened. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know. And this is something as Hughes, Hughes says. Ferris knew the speedometer trick wouldn't work when they got back. This yeah. was all part of the plan. Wow, yeah. because he's a psychopath who manipulated Cameron by telling him things that were lies so he could have the day he wanted to have. No, but the speedometer thing is to help Cameron at the end to make him have to face his dad. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I, I think... So you think that Ferris, when he offers to take the rap when the car goes through the window in a minute, that's his lowest point because he's lost control of the situation. Well, John Hughes says that this is the one moment where Ferris loses his cool because, yeah, he's, he's lost control because the plan was to get Cameron to stand up to his dad. The plan wasn't for Cameron to destroy his dad's car. Oh, so it's gone further than he'd expected. I see. I, I, agree. I, think, yeah. I agree with that much. I agree that the, like he never planned for the car to be destroyed. But I agree that his reaction isn't like, well, he's worried about himself and his relationship with Cameron and how this may affect him being able to manipulate Cameron in the future, which is why he says to take the rap, not for any nice reason. Okay. Well, before that, I, I, this is what I thought his lowest. But this is the low point of the film, which is Cameron sort of turns into a zombie because mm. he's so like he, he can't fix this problem. Um, and it, Ferris, that's where Sloan is like, oh, I see what you've been doing, and you wanted to give him this great day. And life for them at that age is moving too fast because they're both about to go to college and they're not going to see each other. I just think that's a nice thing to uh, to you know to to write a film about is a a platonic friendship which is coming to a fork in the road and just trying to have one great day before everything changes mm. forever. And and it's Ferris's last chance to do this with Cameron, yeah. to, to, to change him before they are, you know, completely separate. This is the end of things for them, probably. Yeah. And so then we get the brilliant scene, just brilliant, brilliant, uh, because I do like a meet cute. So this is this is right up there. This might be the best meet cute ever. So Jean is in the police station because she's reported a break in, which is Rooney, who she doesn't recognise, even though she kicks him in the face. Yep. And he is her head teacher. So that's a bit odd. Um, and Three kicks in the face. It's yeah. A bit of the old uh, Home Alone style ultra violence. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. And that's and it's, weird. And it's sped up and it, her running is sped up and the screen's really over the top. It's just a bit of like it's a cartoon suddenly yeah. in the film, but it does make me laugh. So what's the sequence? They're in the police station. Charlie Sheen's there. He's a mess. He's got a leather jacket on because he's a bad boy. Yeah. And then doesn't he just say to her, drugs? And she says, no, thanks. And then he goes, drugs. <laughs> drugs? I think he says, I meant, what are you in for? And she says something and she says, what about you? And he says, drugs. drugs yeah. That's just brilliant. And then they have this little meet cute thing where they sparks are supposed to fly, which I think they do. So he's still going, you wear too much eye makeup. Like my sister. My <laughs> sister wears too much eye makeup. Yeah. People think she's a whore. Yeah, and also Jeannie <laughs> doesn't wear too much eye makeup, FYI. But great, fine. Just I just love it. It's just such a weird thing to happen in the middle because you've got this script and you're like, we need to tie up Jeannie's arc. What can we do to loosen her up? She just meets this magical person mm. that tells her what she needs to hear and then she never sees him again. I really like it. Her, the way she goes down the stairs is very, <laughs> very funny. Well, you see this softness in her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because she has been, she starts this movie as incredibly unlikable. Mm. And by the end, you love Jeannie. There's a whole there's a whole case for like how she's a really strong female character and um, by the end, because she uses her power to put Ferris in debt at the end. The leverage she has over mm. him, yeah. she uses to put him in debt. And yeah. she's got a real agency and, about her. And you might not like her, but the wink that Ferris gives her at the start of the film behind the parents' back is all the motivation she needs, I think, especially if you've ever had a sibling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. even though they don't seem like brother and sister, but uh, that's because they were shagging. So 
That wrecks that. That's fine. It's f- <laughs> <laughs> it was different times. I have found. <laughs> it was the 80s. It was the 80s, Victoria. <laughs> wow, you had a very different childhood to me. Uh, so Yorkshire, wasn't it? That's the... <laughs> hey, God, you're right. There we go. Great callback, also true. You don't know what they get up to over there, my father would say to me. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else he said. And apart from don't trust people in white socks, which was what my mum said, but that's true. Don't trust, don't trust a Yorkshireman in white socks. Okay. Absolute power combo of nightmarishness. Wow. Yeah. So I really know how to backfoot you in the future. Just turn, yeah. turn up in white socks and <laughs> yeah. leather black shoes. Like I'll do. Mm. Or is that Lancashire? I don't know. How do you greet each other in Yorkshire? Hey up. Hey up. Yeah, no, we don't say that. So hey up. Maybe, maybe we say I'll uh, do. Lera's Gera's pudding down as... What the fuck is that? Let's eat dessert. <laughs> Lera's Gera's pudding down is... <laughs> See what I mean? We grew up, what, 40 miles, 30 miles apart? I have no idea what you're talking I, about. I knew that. Yeah, of course. Did you? Yeah. No, oh, but you went to school in the north. I did, yeah. I did. Where did you go? Hull. York. Oh. Yeah. Hull. <laughs> oh, you owe him an apology. <laughs> no, it was... Hull is a beautiful city. It's changed a lot. The Hayworth Arms in Hull, beautiful pub. Okay. Did my second ever stand-up gig there. Went very badly, but beautiful pub. <laughs> Anyway, so the car, they're running mm. the car backwards. It's um, dark here. Um, Cameron admits that he's been afraid and wishing he was dead. So yeah. to stick suicidal thoughts in the middle of your teen comedy, I, mean, I it's, think it's yeah, quite brave. It is. And it's kind of, I mean, it, if it came out of nowhere, which it would be hard, it's been gently introduced, hasn't it, at the beginning where he says, oh, doesn't he say, it doesn't say I want to die, he says I'm dying, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of in the mix so you, you don't just get like smashed over the head with it it is super dark and it's really grown up in a still quite cute kid way mm. and I do think obviously first of all the comedy when he kicks the car and the car goes flying through the window mm-hmm. hilarious obviously um, but then when he really I was tense that mm. scene makes me tense because I can't you go laugh. back to being in trouble and also because I did crash a car so I've, mm. I've, I've Feel those feelings of like, I am in big trouble over a car. And they do drag it out, though. It, it lasts a long time. It's builds and builds and builds. And you, you think they're not going to do it, are they? And then when they do, you're just... I don't know. Because of the way he's spoken about his dad, you are quite frightened for him. Yes. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I do think... I love the way... I think Alan Rook is really good here where he's like he's making peace with it and, he's, and he says, I'm going to mm. talk to him. And, he, and I think he either says it'll be good or he says it'll be great. Yeah. And it is, he's right. Like this, this is something that I'm, they need to do. I'm just tired of being afraid. Yeah, and so for, I think Ferris has fixed him. And mm. then, so we're, we're moving into we're like wrapping everything up. So Ferris has fixed Cameron. He's we know he's going to get fixed in terms. Of he's not going to get caught, but we'll have a fun sort of chase to get home, a race to get home rather. But the thing with Sloane, I, I I do get it when she's like, he's going to marry me, and you think, oh, good for you too. That's lovely. Of course you'd want to marry him, and of course you'd want to marry her. She's incredible. I just don't know, like. Did she ever think it was in doubt? And I don't know what is the what's the button on that scene that I don't, I don't know. Is it just confirming that their relationship is great? Because he's about to go to college, and so the usual rite of passage is he's going to go to college and like probably shag loads of people. Mm. So then are they? Because she's a year younger, isn't she? Yeah, so she, they're not going to see each other as much as they might. I, I like think to. it's just there that she's she's confident. She knows. For me, it was the fact like it was nice because I think you know she's sort of been a bit of a question mark throughout the movie. I haven't hmm. really understood how she really feels about Ferris, whether this is temporary for her, whether it is just a bit of fun or whether it's something long-term. And for me, that is like, oh, wow, that adds a whole other level to their day that they spent together, that there is something bigger there and she does want to marry him. Yeah. It's a, there's a permanence to it. Yes, which is it's really sweet. It does work. Although marriage isn't permanent, you know. No, I no. guess not. No. no. 
weird that you would mention as uh, I know as, as something as, wrong Alex as far as <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up uh, me uh, I'm glad I brought it up uh, so we need to talk <laughs> you know a good lawyer um, no because his parents in real life they got together on the movie but then they broke up not yeah. his parents in real life his parents in the movie yeah this mm. production was an absolute Shagfest. Shagfest. <laughs> <laughs> so he's racing Genie and he's yeah. racing his mom. Turns into the swimmer. Have you ever seen the Burt Lancaster film, The Swimmer, where he, no. he goes through all the pools, all the guards? The whole film oh. is just him doing that. It's a very strange film. <laughs> but it's so much fun because they've given us the ticking clock. Yeah. Mum and Dad and the police are coming home. And then you've got all these lovely little um, Ferris Bueller moments where he grabs the coke or he runs past the girls in bikinis and then comes back that's a great introduce himself oh. that's a great visual gag there's a good. really good Rooney visual gag at the start which we covered in another movie which totally lifts it where Rooney is rushing through the school but he doesn't want the kids in his classrooms to see him in a rush <laughs> so he walks slowly past the classrooms and then runs and then slowly past the classroom it's the wedding plan it joke is, at the start that's so funny mm. that they nicked it mm. uh, so yeah um so Jeannie kind of saves Ferris at the mm. end, which I didn't really get, but it's fine. The point is that she decides... I think it's a nice switcheroo, but I think the point is Rooney's a bigger villain to her than her brother. Her brother yeah. she can she can deal with with the parents, but when it's Rooney's involved, he's bigger than all of them. So she decides to side with Ferris. Yeah, and she's listened to what Charlie Sheen said because he's like, you've got to stop focusing on your brother away. Mm. And she's like, oh, okay, well, get, let's give that a whirl. And then Ferris gets to remind us what it was all about because life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. What I hadn't realised is that he gets into bed and then the stereo's still going. Yeah. He throws the baseball. I hadn't clocked. It's the one that he caught earlier in the film. No! Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. So then the extra stuff during the credits, which I'd never seen before... <laughs> How I don't understand because the film doesn't stop; no. it just goes straight into them. You just switch, switch yeah, off. I, I was so while amazed. you're watching Rooney, do very, a very yeah. efficient movie watch. <laughs> Is it done? Go, go. They're still talking. Hold on, the race by Yellows just come on. Yeah. no one switches off when that song comes on in the eighties. I know, but honestly, I was like, "What's this?" Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, you it. don't like They've it? Got, oh, no. yeah. You love that song. I, I, I do. Yeah. I do because of the 80s, because, because of, of the secret of my success in yeah. K9 and this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about K9. No, I don't like it because I think because you're outside of the confines of a movie that you paid to see, you're outside of the narrative. When films do it... <laughs> wait, what? I've got my money's worth. Thank you very much. Is this important to the structure of the film or is this just... A, this doesn't this, this doesn't fit with the structure. Fine, I'm out. Quite right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that is the story has come to its natural conclusion. Bye-bye. Is that not right? <laughs> Mark, get up. Get up. Turn off. Um, yeah, I do feel like that. The, the characters need to be so enticing outside the confines of a narrative that you'd want to see them do shit, and I don't. Well, funny, this scene was earlier in the film. The bus scene? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't think but, it's funny. Um, not, the, not the Ferris telling the viewer to go home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was about 20 minutes in. That's and it, it's over, go home. But test screenings <laughs> didn't go down very well. People like, find this confusing. Yeah. And the idea there, I think... 20 minutes it, long. <laughs> I like that because we've just watched Ferris get the upper hand on everyone and then he kind of gets the upper hand on us by sort of making us feel a bit stupid. Yeah. And so I think that nicely ties into his character. Mm. It, I don't know. I feel like it leaves me with quite a good feeling. It's just uncomfortable watching Jeffrey Jones on a bus with children eating their sweets. Yeah. yeah. You can Google it. We're not going to talk about it again. We've done it before. But um, Deadpool spoofed it quite nicely. Yep. Um, it, Ryan Reynolds even does the chicka chicka himself. Chica-chica. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's all I have. There was a uh, there was a sequel. There was a talk of a sequel. Alan Rock says just for fun. Uh, 
I used to think, why don't they wait until Matthew and I are in our 70s and do Ferris Bueller returns and have Cameron be in a nursing home? He doesn't really need to be there, but he's just decided his life is over. So he committed himself to a nursing home and Ferris comes and breaks him out and they go to like a titty bar. No, uh, don't say that. It's so disappointing to hear Alan Ruck use the phrase titty bar. He might say it was a long time ago. Yeah, (laughs) it was a long time ago. Let's give him the benefit of the end though. <laughs> and then at the end, of, all this ridiculous stuff happens, and at the end of the movie, Cameron dies. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that I film. I would, yeah. It's, uh, it's a really good pitch, but yeah. Titty Barf. I, I remember when I spoke to Adam McKay, um, I asked him about Step Brothers sequel, and he said he'd only do it if it was the guys in a nursing home. Yeah. So we'll see that in 20 years. Um, there was a TV series that didn't last very long. Mm. I have watched the pilot. Oh, Charlie know. Slatter plays Ferris. Uh, an actress called Jennifer Aniston plays GD. Don't, Don't know. know. And the opening scene is Charlie Slatter coming out. <laughs> That's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Did we really at the same time in unison? Don't know her. Funny. It's a good gag. Yeah. Um, we're great. Good. Carry on. It's like if Waldorf and Waldorf. <laughs> I just said it because I knew you were going to say it. So I was like, I can't let you say it now. She, um, uh, Ferris comes out, talks about how the film didn't really capture him, pulls out a cardboard cutout from the movie of Brad- Broderick and then chainsaws it. Ooh. So it's properly meta, right. just not very funny. <laughs> um, there's an election theory that Ferris grows up to be Broderick's character in election. <gasps> that he's the hero in high school and then he becomes oh, the loser. Oh, that's great. Um, and nothing works out for him. Yeah, I don't buy it, but no, it's, it it's fun. It's it doesn't fun. work, but that's, that's a really interesting, because I think he's a psychopath. It's quite nice that things don't work out for him. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a horrible story, a nice story about Broderick and Gray's relationship. Do you want either of them or neither of them? I know the horrible story. Should we not say it? I didn't like. It made me feel sad. All right, what is it? Give me a rough thing without telling me the nitty gritty. Can Uh, you do that? Some some people died. Oh, that one. I know. (laughs) Why would we even do that? Why is that up for debate? Don't ask that question. You've got got to do all the trivia. Um, You literally Um, tell me off for doing all the trivia. uh, And Madonna told Jennifer Grey that she wrote the song Express Yourself about her relationship with Matthew Broderick and her breakup. And that's why in the chorus, she says, you'll do much better, baby, on your own, because she's referring to Jennifer Grey, a.k.a. Baby. Wow. Mm. Wow. She was telling her she could do better than Broderick and she shouldn't be sad. And she was with Johnny Depp at the time, so... I don't know. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got to go out with him once. <laughs> there's, a, there's a Johnny Depp story. <laughs> we won't do that one either. <laughs> right, let's do the bits then. So, Alex, what was your best scene? Uh, uh, Jeffrey Jones, aka Rooney, uh, on a bus with school children. Really? I honestly, I'm not even joking. Are you being serious? I, oh. Just to give you a little bit, I'm, I'm half joking. I think that scene is just uh, as a performer. Like Jeffrey Jones, it's a man getting on a bus uh-huh. after the day he's had, and he milks that for every laugh possible. Like it's so much about the character, but no, obviously I'm not picking that from that look. So it's twist and shout. <laughs> not the scene I hated most. The scene I love most. It's twist and shout. Great. What about you? Uh, that's the correct answer. But I'm going to say something different. I think the um, scene in the gallery is a really economical way of giving us some Cameron backstory in that. As I say, the more he looks at that painting, the less there is, and that's how he fears mm. he 
people see him. It's haunting. <laughs> it's almost haunting. It's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, haunting. It's affecting. No, definitely. it is haunting. Uh, my favourite scene is Twist and Shout yeah. because it's iconic. And so it's the best. You. And it is the best scene. And again, but I've realised I keep I, I keep, oh, I was like, I hate musicals, I hate musicals. And then every time I see it in a film, I'm like, that's my favourite bit. So maybe I'm lying to myself. I think oftentimes you're picking a film where there's one song in it, though, yes. rather than people <laughs> bursting to song for two hours. I think what I don't like is when people do the, the speak singing. Yep. I, I like singing and dancing because I'm not dead inside, but okay. I don't like speak singing. Yeah. Like in Adventures in Babysitting. Where's that? In the blues bar. Oh, that's... Uh, yeah, we'll, all right. we'll do it on Thursday. Yeah, put a yeah pin save in it, that. guys. Sorry, sorry. Uh, what's your most valuable whatever, Chris? Uh, I am going to say Jennifer Grey. Wow. Um, because I think to maintain that rage for 90 minutes is really <laughs> impressive. And then when she just has that soft moment at the end, I think uh, it's a really fun performance it's so good because she's so into him but she's not going to see him again and that's the that's why i like it because she's not like i have to see you again she's just like this was brilliant bye yeah. lovely uh and you uh i was almost going to say ben stein as the economics teacher because <laughs> it's just such a standout scene mm-hmm. anyone anyone <laughs> uh but i'm going with uh, edie mcclurg as grace i uh, i just think she's so funny uh in this movie and i would like to see more of her in it Yep, it's not my change, but I think she's very, very good in it. Yep, agreed. Uh, Matthew Broderick, because I think he's very good. Um, if he's even if he's a psychopath, I like him. Yeah, I'd like psychopaths. Fine, but people do. That's the thing about them, isn't That's it? Why people like Ferris? Because he's a them. psychopath. <laughs> uh, what would you change, Alex? Uh, I, you mentioned it earlier. It's uh, it, of all the plot holes, it's the one that sort of like I thought about too much for it to not go unanswered in some way, which is Jeannie not recognising the principal who she literally tried to go and see about 10 minutes earlier, going, I want to see Rooney to Grace. Mm, yeah. And then when she sees him. Now, granted, you could go, well, she's in a state of shock, it's an intruder in a house. Or you can go, actually, she knew it was him all along and it plays into this long game that she's got about taking advantage of him at the end when she finds his wallet and she's like, so I've outwitted you and, you know, you can't have a go at Ferris because I know you broke into my house. I don't know. You tell her when she kicks him in the face. Yeah, where she doesn't sees she, him. Doesn't she think he's a thief, a robber? Yeah, but she, she see him. But she, she knows it's it's her school principal. She's met him before. He's she, looking quite bedraggled, though, isn't he? Yeah, but she's they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah, literally they're staring face to face. So she needs, she knows who he is, and it doesn't. The film never sort of bothers to explain why she doesn't go. Rooney is in my house. Yeah. What about you? We've said a couple. You said one of mine. Um, get him in a pub. <laughs> uh, oh, there was a strip club. Yeah, there was a strip club scene mm. planned. Really? Yeah, but the, the producer said you don't have enough shooting days yeah, or money exactly. for this. Can you imagine that? John Hughes goes, we've got this uh, We've got this strip club scene. And Paramount go, yeah. Oh, it's such a shame. There's just not <laughs> enough. We've got 40 days left. I know, but you're so busy on those 40 <laughs> there was days. Al- there was also a scene where where Ferris uh, phones into the Chicago radio station and says he's going to be the first uh, teenager on the space station. And that was, I think it was even in an LA trailer, but then the trailer debuted the oh, day after yeah. the space shuttle disaster. And I so they put, they pulled the prints. Yeah. Um, did it? Oh, yeah. Wait, oh, God, Challenger. Yeah. Mm, actually, this one's too dark. I'm not going to say that one. How about, I've already said this one as well, but I think it would be funny to have a little flashback to when Ferris and Cameron are little kids yeah. and they could be dressed the same and we could just see a little bit of their friendship so I can understand it now. Yeah. And they yeah, sweet. even that's in those nice. same little mini versions of those yeah, clothes. That's nice. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a good one. Yeah. Although John Hughes said on the commentary I probably wouldn't put him in the berry now. 
He said the beret was a mistake. Oh, okay. Yeah, because he looks... It doesn't like... matter. It's the 80s. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you might hate this change, actually, but I think we should see Cameron's dad come up the driveway <gasps> and not not speak, but just look at his son. That's it. Oh, that was the thing I was going to say. It was too dark. I oh, thought it really? should flash up on screen when the film ends. Cameron's father beat him to death that evening. No. <laughs> that, that's different. Is it? <laughs> Wait, it's just an addendum to what Vicky was saying. Yeah. I don't think he's physical with him. I think... I think well, I'm projecting my assumptions, but he's a he's a wealthy man, and Cameron doesn't have any like bruises, so it seems like he's emotionally detached rather than like or or and or you don't have to be one or the other. Obviously, you can do both if you're very time efficient. But I think if you if you see him, the, he, his shadow looms large over this film. So let's see the man, and he comes up the driveway, and Cameron's like. And you know that they're about to have the chat, and you either make him the most not scary looking person you've ever seen in your life, mm. or you make him look normal, but there's something oh. in him that's a bit scary. Or you make him look like Ferris, and in many, and it's all fucking, <laughs> it's all about Cameron looking for like a father figure in Ferris because Ferris takes him out on days out and does stuff with him and lets him be in the car that oh, he's never yeah. allowed to be in. <laughs> yeah. So really, Ferris is like, what you a, know, what about his, he's an image of his dad, but the best version of his dad, and yeah. it is all in Cameron's head. Fight Club Theory. What if yeah. they look out the window and Cameron's dad is underneath the car? <laughs> Just the legs. That's job done. <laughs> <laughs> like the Wicked Witch. Yeah. <laughs> done. All right. Oh, that's good. Okay. Uh, good it. job. And then the ruby slippers end up on Cameron's feet. <laughs> yeah, not, not, so, not so good. Um, <laughs> let's do a quiz. Uh, we are, I've got another round of Crash of the Titles. Oh, God. Because oh, it's no. so much fun watching you do this. <laughs> are we ready? Yeah. Number one. This film concerns a public access TV show about two metal-loving dudes fighting the undead. The... Oh, God's sake. The... <laughs> it's, I know one of them, obviously. The first one. The first one. Okay. <laughs> but, so do they go in order? So is the first one... Yeah, they one... go in order. They definitely go in order. Okay. Always go in order. All right, so... And what was the second part? Uh, fighting the undead. I say that's, that's lots of stuff, so let me just... It's oh I do know Wayne's, Wayne's World War Z. Yes! 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 Well play Vicky. <laughs> I I I heard that as two metal loving dudes fighting the undead is the second movie. So it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, there's a it's ne- never it's never has been. Right. It always goes in order. Yeah. Oh, okay. Does it really? okay, good. No, but okay. I thought it was a movie about two metal loving dudes fighting the undead, which feels like a movie that is out there somewhere. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't Write matter. Write it. Uh, number two. This Whatever. one's a bit dirty, I'm sorry. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones have a threesome with Scarlett Johansson. Men in Black Widow. <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But also great. <laughs> oh, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> he could hang on to the crags in his face while you're doing it. Uh, number three. <laughs> Sorry, that's so distracting. <laughs> number oh. three. Not long after the Civil War, a group of sisters learn about life and love and talk to animals. <laughs> that is... Oh, that's the... I've, uh, I have done that the wrong way around, sorry. What? <laughs> uh, Wait. Not long after the Civil War, a group of sisters... Okay. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> Who can talk to animals? That's the first film. Okay. Oh, I don't... Okay. And Doctor then... Do Little Women. Correct. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> I knew that. I knew both of those things, but I don't know why. But I you're going to know. You're going to know. But both. I said it. Far. You're going to know both of these things as well. So um, those were things that I knew. 
Again, this is I've done this oh, the wrong way around. Sake, Chris. Um, <laughs> but it's because it connects last one. Another film revolving around sisters learning about life and love, mm-hmm. but these girls can see dead people. There's thick sense and sensibility. Correct. <laughs> you deserve that. That was good. The sensibility. <laughs> All right, Vicky, you need this one. I know. A fish lady heads to New York and becomes Ray Fine's housekeeper. Um. Oh, for God's sake! It's. Uh... <laughs> It's a fish lady. Mm. Oh, the little Manhattan. mermaid in Manhattan. The little mermaid in Manhattan. Did you say it? I no, she said did... mermaid in Manhattan. The little mermaid in Manhattan is the right answer. I think. I, did, I... I didn't get it right. I didn't. I hold my hand up. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to be gracious. You were being gracious. It's a win for Alex. Oh, for you can't sake. come back from that 4 oh, 1. Give it to her then. Give it to her. No, it's all right. No, you did. I mean, I, Mermaid in Manhattan could. I mean, there's a, there could be a film called Mermaid. There isn't. <laughs> All right, let's do let's do this then. You need this one, Vicky. Okay. Um, a pair of werewolves leave their remote ranch to go read porn mags and swim. <laughs> I'm sick of this quiz. Fucking hell! <laughs> a pair of werewolves leave their ranch to read porn mags and swim. Um, werewolves. We've talked a lot about the ranch and the porn mags and the swimming recently because we all quite like the film. Do we? Hmm. Porn mags and swimming. Maybe should have maybe should have won best picture this year. Oh my god, this is just dead air now. <laughs> All right, shall I give it to yeah. you? The power of the dog soldiers. Oh yeah, that's good. Well done. <laughs> that's good. Who reads porn mags? Oh yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. It's best bit in the film. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, all right, good stuff. Well done, Alex. Well done, Alex. Well played. Um, so we're nearly done, but before we go, we need a clue. So, Vicky, mm-hmm. give us a rubbish clue. Are you ready? Yes. It's especially rubbish this week. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't know why I'm so I excited. I spent maybe between five to eight seconds on this. So here we go. Ready? Live twice as long and prosper. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see you putting your middle finger up. Was that part of no, the clue? The, the actual clue is live twice as long and prosper. Very good. Fuck you. <laughs> and that's a great clue. That's it a great clue. We like it. We like it. All right. That really is your lot. Um, if you want more, have a look at what we're up to at Clash Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to make us feel good, subscribe to the show and give us a review. As ever, thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Thursday with Adventures in Babysitting. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.